And now, following F1 testing, a statement from McLaren Renault. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. I'm Gareth. And if I could bring a car back from the dead, what I'd do is probably ask, I don't know, Tesla, if they would build something that looked like the Lancia HPE but with a four-wheel drive electric running gear and build it in Wales. That would be the perfect car for me. And the reason why I'm saying this is that there's a bit of a fashion for the moment for taking old cars and equipping them with new technology. There are not just specialists doing it, but car manufacturers themselves are doing this. The case in point, Richard, you'll know about this, is Land Rover, who have taken some existing Land Rover Defender body shells, are going to make a limited run of, how many is it, 50? 150. 150, that's quite a lot, isn't it? They've all sold. Wow. Mm. So will they be newly registered, or are they going to have a five-year-old registration plate when you buy them? No, they're existing Defenders. They're running around out there somewhere, and Land Rover is buying them back. They're very late ones. Late, standard Defenders, buy them back, rebuild them. I think someone from Land Rover said they believe that, given it's 150 grand, that most people will put a private plate on it anyway, so right. it sort of doesn't matter. But they'll basically be probably sort of 15 or 65 plate, like mine is. You know, mine's a late Defender, and it's on a 65 plate because it was registered in late 2015. So Land Rover trying to buy back low-mileage, late model defenders to build into and these V8. Manufacture them yeah, these new, it's yeah. weird because when they announced that car, I remembered something I'd seen. I went to the factory to see the last defender coming off the line and this sort of closing down ceremony. And then we were taken outside. And there was a big cavalcade of old Land Rovers. And around the back of the main factory building, there were a load of defender panel sets on frames, the frames they used to sort of transport them into the factory to start building them. And there was just a load of them around the back. And I was like, what have they got those for? They've just made the last one. Why would they need those? And I started thinking, hang on, are they keeping these back, knowing that later down the line they're going to announce this new V8? But no, I checked it with Land Rover, and I went, are you kept some parts back for this and they went no, no no we're gonna have to buy some cars in mm. to make these but they'll be completely rebuilt from the ground up so they'll be effectively brand new cars but you'll have to have it on an older plate i think of course another major manufacturer that's doing the same thing is jaguar with the continuation d-types yes mm-hmm. aston so- martin too i believe have done something haven't they built some yeah so they're doing the db4 gt lightweight that's right. But these are new yeah, cars. Well, these are brand new cars. Yeah. We featured sure, yes, them on the, the last series of the Grand Tour. And the really weird thing, the Aston was on a private plate. The Jag, they just registered on a 17 plate. And it looked really weird. Wow. That wasn't the D-Type, so that was the XKSS, which was a second continuation after they did the E-Type lightweight. Yeah. Then the XKSS, and now they're doing the D-Types. The justification is always, well, we didn't build as many as we intended back in the day, or with the XKSs, 12 of them were lost in a fire a factory, and yeah. so they're making up the numbers that were lost. So there's always some justification for it, well, and that limits the number they make. And fair play to them. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's quite no, cool. But. No, I think it is. I agree with you. I suppose there are more people with silly amounts of money to spend on a plaything like that. Mm, so they know they can sell these cars. That's a motivation. XKSS recreation, a million quid. An actual XKSS, sort of, I don't know, 10, 12 more 
million pounds, so mm-hmm. quite a bargain in that context. But thinking about this, this idea of remanufacturing an old classic, and mm. I'm sure any car nut can understand the idea of taking an old classic and just, yeah, it was great, but if only they'd done this to it, it would have been even better. Or you want that old car with contemporary brakes, for yes. example. Uh, this and is where those... If it was a Lancia Monte Carlo, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, Go and, back, sort it out properly this yeah, time. And do yeah, it right. exactly. do it properly. I guess one of the first cars that this happened with was the MG, MGB. You could get heritage body shells, I think they were called, mm. what, 20 years ago oh, or yeah. so? Maybe but maybe then they were or... just a shell that you could buy to restore your MG. Mm-hmm. More recently, there's a company called Frontline who will completely modernise an MX-5 gearbox yeah, well, engine, actually, as well, I think, and well, do but... suspension work on it. And it always distracts me because apparently it's quite good, if you like that sort of thing. But the company's called Frontline, which is also the name of the flea stuff I have to put on my dog's neck to stop her getting fleas. <laughs> so every time I see someone go, oh, look, that Frontline MGB, I always think, well, now there's an MGB that yeah. hasn't got fleas. Although she's thinking about the MGB thing, didn't MG themselves make a small run of... Uh, MGR V8 with the V8 engine. Yeah, I think that's 90s, what I was yes, going to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 fair enough. They used the heritage shells with sort of modified yeah. wings and stuff like that. that yeah. was a, I put the Rover V8 in, in the Buick from Rover. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah that was probably so, the first so example in contemporary times of that, I think. Yeah, Pro- I think you're possibly, right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, so it's this idea of you know taking your old classic and doing it better mm. isn't completely new, but yeah, it's a good thing. The three prongs to this, aren't they? Because they're talking about the recreated Jags and the recreated Aston DB4, but they are absolutely remade made the way they were back in the day. There is no modernisation, mm-hmm. particularly with the Jack. They've been incredibly faithful to the way it was made originally. In fact, the, the people who build it well, have to smoke while they're building they do, it. Or at least smoke a pipe, yes. <laughs> and actually isn't... And say, now look here. Is one of the reasons for that that at least some of the people buying them will want to use them for historic racing? Is that well, a Well, yes, but they're not eligible necessarily. There was a documentary about oh, the really? lightweight E-type on Channel 4. And they followed the making of it, but they also went and interviewed Lord March. And they went, now, of course, these cars, they look like the original lightweight tapes. Will they be eligible to race at the Goodwood Revival? And he's went, mm. no, certainly not. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> uh, which I thought was a little harsh, actually, because let's uh, be honest, yeah, so think... many of those cars competing in the Goodwood Revival are not Rebuilds. that. They're, they're yeah. triggers, well, you know, triggers a, Ferrari, aren't you've, they? You've, yeah. yeah, you've got a chassis plate from a 1925 car that yeah. you've yeah. riveted to... Well, um, there's some pretty function. incredible rumours about some of those cars racing. And the uh, oh, well, yeah, there are, there are several race cars which have been split into yes. several different cars. You yeah. know, Correct. Yeah. There's a very <laughs> famous line about the D-Type, isn't it? I don't know the exact line, the exact number. It's something like, there were only 25 D-Types built and 27 uh, of them are still, still running. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the four tops, though, isn't it? There's about seven four tops at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Two or three bucks fizzes. There are three gas tops, just to be on the safe side, I believe. Well, certainly, there actually are two gas tops these days. There's a guy from Geordie Shaw who calls himself Gas Top. Yeah, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I should. Yeah, it can happen. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, there's three prongs. There's absolutely faithful remaking of old cars, which is what Jaguar and Aston Martin are doing. Then you've got your sort of... Freshening up an old design, freshening doing up it an a old bit design. Better, yeah, or like, there's actually a third branch, which is what Singer do, which is right, taking mention, yes, a sort of yeah. more modern Porsche and making it reminiscent of a very old one, but with all modern features. Yeah, which it's, is, it, it, it's sort of kind case, of doing tremendous. somebody's idea of the ultimate incarnation of yeah. this car. And, Looks you know, like with a, with a 911, one, you've got a tremendous platform yeah. to do that yeah, with, yeah. because you've got so many bits to choose from. And also, you've got the advantage that nice ones are going to be expensive enough that it's worth you putting all this time into doing that job. Because mm. Singer, anyone who's seen films about Singer, 
Chris Harris did a good one amongst others. I mean, yeah, they really care about what they're doing and they really mm. do a tremendous job mm. of making this magnificent incarnation of a classic design. They've come a long way from making sewing machines, though. Let's be honest. It's actually confusing. <laughs> I, so I, I have actually repaired a Singer sewing machine within the last six months. Actually. Have you really? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. No, but that, that, but Did the, you make it look like one from the late 60s? <laughs> it, you know what? I was able to check from the serial number that this Singer sewing machine, which still works, was made in 1892. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was my great-grandmother's sewing machine, oh, an old singer, hand-cranked. Wow. It's a lovely bit of machinery. I've got really one is. less than 10 feet away from you in that part of the attic, okay. just up there. Well, I bet it's almost exactly the same design, because there was mm. this... And I'm, I'm sure people listening to this, some people will know this design, because it's an absolute classic bit of industrial design. So Very successful design. But we're talking about Singer. Slightly confusingly, of course, there was... Another car manufacturer called Singer. Yes. Oh, of um, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were they French? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. 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 uh, um, well, they're so the British. Singer Chamois was basically. Yeah, yeah. A Hillman Imp. A slightly Coupe. racier Hillman Imp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. But those, so, so I don't I know, know what do they call it? Singer? Because I always think the word resto mob, which I think they apply mm. to sort of sympathetically modernising, or maybe not sympathetically, sympathetically modernising yeah, okay. an old car to give it some modern features. Mm. And so you would say that like, those flea repellent MGs are in that. <laughs> Category because they'll put in like a modern stereo or something like that, and they'll do various other tweaks to the suspension to try and make it drive in a more sort of modern, usable way. There was one quite recently, somebody took original shape Range Rovers and fitting them with um, Chrysler V8s, probably. Yeah. No, yeah. they're not. Electric, electric I think it's train. all Range Rover Sport underneath, oh, including wow. the whole chassis. Yeah, so you get, I think it's just the Land Rover V8 in there, the, the sort of more recent one. I think so. It's a great idea. It was an idea that a mate of mine had years ago. He went, those first-generation Range Rovers are really cool, but also, yeah. you know, they're a bit old and a bit flaky. Wouldn't it be great to, like, totally to have modernise one? Have, one. have, it, have it, the, yeah, yeah, modern yeah. Range Rover underpinnings, but looking like mm. a you know, like 70s three-door Range Rover. Like, that's a brilliant idea. You so, should do that, but he was a TV producer and he didn't have the workshop to do it in. So, but somebody is now doing it. And the demo car they had, which I've poked around but not driven, it's slightly sporty because it had really massive wheels on it and big wheel arch extensions. It just gave away too much. I like the idea with these cars that nobody knows. They look like a really pucker example of the mm-hmm. original that's completely purely as it was. And only you know a lot of the things that have been done to it that make it drivable every day. So what vehicle would you do this no, you, to? That was it? about to ask, I, I, yeah. I've got one of my family. I've got several, but go on, let's see yours. Oh, what would be yours, Zach? Volvo P1800. I had one years ago and I've always thought they were beautiful-looking cars. Despite its age, it was really pretty reliable and lovely car to have and to drive. But it was a 1965 vehicle. And I always thought it would be fantastic to have a P1800S, but with more power and better handling and just better mechanicals Mm. under the skin. To look like that drive better. Would you Basically, in- I want a souped-up yeah, yeah. 1800. W- would you insist on a contemporary Volvo engine in it, perhaps? Perhaps even a hybrid no, or the Polestar I, engine? I, I'd be quite open-minded on the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if somebody was going to do a new 1800... You know, I'm very open-minded. Mm. But V8 sounds good, I reckon. I <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Wow. No, I'd, I'd like, no, I think I'd like to give somebody a P1800 body shell and have them put a... What's big V8 in it. A big V8? I was yeah, going to say, yeah. what's the smallest V8 you could find in terms of... Oh, no, let's make... Let's not make, volume, I'm talking well, about... Well, what about, let, what about let's that V8 that was in um, the XC90s and S... 
eighties. Oh yeah, it's the Yamaha Keep design. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, it's quite compact it. as well because it went crossways yeah. in the car, so yeah. that would probably fit in nicely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd always kind of sort of managed to probably do it with a Rover V8, but uh, but we're well, talking about put a Rover. But V8 we're talking about always. a proper production, yeah. you know. So yeah, I'm going eighteen hundred. Just on a geeky thing, which I don't know if you know this, was that engine by any chance in the Volvo related to the V6? I think that they had in a. Was it a Ford Thunderbird that had a Yamaha SHO engine? No, that was the same V8. It was the same engine. Yeah. That's Ford, how, it wasn't Ford a Taurus. V- okay. The SHO. So it was, yeah, really, yeah, yeah the same engine. God, I thought, oh, brain actually worked in some fashion there. I mean, for a I mean, we know that if there wasn't more than one company already turning out, you know, kind of new old Land Rovers, yeah. we know that a Land Rover would be your pick. Yeah, what would it be, Richard? Yeah. What else? I do Given rather that- covet those V8s that they're remaking. When they announced it, I told my wife about it, and she just went, you're not. And I went, no, it's 150 grand. I'm not. And she went, oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, you right, are, so, though. So you? Why, why are we telling me about this? I went, well, first of all, because I thought you'd find it interesting. And secondly, because my job now is to try and convince Richard Hammond to buy one so I can <laughs> have a go in it. And I, he didn't need any convincing at all. Nice By one. the time I rang him the next morning, he'd already been made some other phone calls. Because so, he is weak. Can we play guessing? Well, let us know what it's like. Can we play a guessing? I think you'd probably want a Rover 75 with, I don't know... Uh, Jag XFR underpinnings. Mm, no, not really. I, mm. No, I, I know you, you like a Rover. A, you could buy a ZTV8, which is broadly yeah, yeah. feel similar. Yeah. Actually, a Rover SD1 that had been made to work properly would be rather good. But I'd have yeah. to have the whole body shell completely retooled because one of the things, Rover SD1, they actually never quite look as good as they should do. When you see the pictures of the clay models of that car, that's how they wanted it to look in an ideal world. See a real SD1, even one that's been beautifully restored, they're always a bit gappy because they were built basically I was to say Land Rover principles where, yeah, and the, par- the principles of, the, of Land Rover where, you know, just make all the panel gaps massive because the whole thing's going to flex a bit off-road. And also, Plus, it just also makes it, it easy to assemble. If you make a little bit of a mistake, it doesn't matter. Exactly, you know, that's it. Exactly if, if you're that planning principle. on a four-millimetre gap, yeah. a half-millimetre either way... Doesn't matter. I've told you know, that story before on the show, I know, about when they put one such windows into the Range Rover and the, mm-hmm. the supplier development on a rig worked mm. perfectly because they have to have rollback if they're one touch up, otherwise you trap your hand. Yeah. And then they sent them down to the factory and the factory rang up and went, they're not working. They keep rolling back. They get to the top and they roll back down again without anyone touching them. And the supplier went, that's really weird. We're working to like this sort of industry standard three mil tolerance and the factory went, ah, well, that's where you're going wrong, mate. You see, we built the Range Rover to a nine mil tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> nine mil? I mean, that's just, you could get a cast through that. medieval. That's tolerance. That's the thing, but they did it. It was like, yeah, minimizes error. Well, so they believe, because you can just throw it on there and it's broadly all right. And that's how they started designing the cars. But cars don't need to have that flex built in. That's why, apparently, the Austin Maestro looked bloody awful, because it was gappy again. Although because, that was Well, there's a number of reasons, reasons why, yes. why it looked terrible. But they're gappy, because that was designed down at Solihull. Do you know what I'd do for you? I would build you a Rover S. One out of a Ferrari Daytona. Oh, ironic. That's a good start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because the SD1 was, you know, the five right, door hatch so version of Daytona. Daytona yeah, Get a Daytona yeah. and stretch it and badge it Rover. Leave that big, lovely Ferrari block in there. Mm. That'd be a car, wouldn't what it? What I was actually going to say, though, for my resto model or whatever, I was thinking Citroëns. Oh, yeah. Uh, two okay. things in mind. First of all, now the Citroën CX oh. was meant to have, I believe, a flat engine i think even a flat six oh really because the gs had a flat four yeah. uh-huh. and then they ran out of money you know it was a mid-70s and citroen was at the sort of lowest ebb and then got bought by Peugeot because they were in such dire straits couldn't afford any engine shenanigans had to use sort of bog standard straight four so what i would love to do is a resto modded citroen cx 
an early one, I think, because they're quite pretty on the delicate chrome bumpers, mm. but have a sort of fairly low-tune Porsche flat six put in there. Because you don't want a lot of power because they're front-wheel drive. Yeah. And it's quite an engineering job, I think, to probably get that in there. But just to almost create what Citroen never could create, a flat-six powered Citroen CX with all mod cons. Again, I might have to have the body retooled because they're quite gappy as well. I don't know what they were doing in the 70s. stamping. Well, they were mixing plastic panels with steel panels. No, not at that point they were. I think plastic came in sort of the early 80s. The BX was very plasticky. had plastic bonnet. That was the first one to have the plastic panels. You're right, wasn't it? No, I think it was just... I don't know, idleness. I'm not sure what was going on. <laughs> I think for a Citroën, though, I might have gone a little bit further back. I'd go well, for uh, Citroën Ma- Traction en Oh, you of course you back. would. Course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, right, I, I, well, I'd, I'd yeah. skip over the Deus. Yeah. Deus is almost perfect, isn't it? Come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Hear me out here, because this is on. what I was going to My CX was a sort of side thought. I'm thinking DS with a Tesla drivetrain. There you go. Make it as, as modern slash futuristic yeah. as it's always looked. Yes. Mm. And imagine Good. cruising Very around in that lovely silent way yeah. on your soft suspension. Oh. And with all that amazing visibility out of these thin pillars and oh. just sort of the thin Beautiful. wheel. And just, yeah. I, I mean, imagine, that is a proper, and genuinely, now, I think that would be an that amazing could, Seriously, thing. that could work. Various little niche companies do electric conversions. Yeah. You've spoken about I'm this for ages, about, haven't well, actually, you? Yeah, yeah. I've always thought the old Fiat 500 would make a tremendous, you know, yeah. modern electric city car. You sent me a link the other day to a Porsche uh, 914 yeah, yeah. that somebody had electrified. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the first one that I'd come across. So, yeah, this thing of taking an old classic but giving it an electric drivetrain mm. it, oh, it's being done touch. so yeah why not do it with a Day S there's a touch I'm having in my electric Tesla powered Day S which is again the dashboard will look absolutely as it did at first glance but but when you look at the instruments that'll actually be a TFT screen I knew you were going to say that and it'll have sort of it'll like show Logan's run sci-fi on the graphics <sighs> okay I think and there'll be some other touches as well. There may, in fact, be a TFT set into the dashboard that looks like part of the dashboard. And for absolute authenticity... No, 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 it's just for the Bluetooth. Okay, for, yeah, cool. And, cool, and cool, for cool, absolute yeah, authenticity, it would have glitches in it as well. So the speedo would waggle around a little bit over about five mile per no, hour. No, I don't just, want come that. On. If I wanted that, I'd just yeah. I'd buy an old Meister. <laughs> yeah, make, make the thing work no, properly. I want it to be, it, I yeah, it, feel it, like I can go in and it works every day. Somebody please do it. Make us an electric DS. As you know, I would either have a Lancia HPE rebuilt with, like you said, Tesla running gear, like I've said, Built in Wales, or even better, I think. And I've got the T-shirt on, actually, at the moment, or the sweatshirt. I had this custom-built, this T-shirt, actually. You I was going to ask about that, because I noticed it was your... Uh, you, you can buy lunch, these. Yeah. Well, I should explain that on the sweatshirt or T-shirt long sleeve that I'm wearing at the moment, I've got a picture of a Gilburn Invader on mini lights. Mm-hmm. Right, You can buy this shirt from Redbubble, but you can only get the saloon. So I got into and said, would you draw me the shooting break, <laughs> estate version? And they did. And could you put it Good on mini them. lights as well? But it says Gwych underneath it, which is Welsh for great. Because it is. So I'd have a Gilbin Invader estate... But I'd have the estate that they never built. They never made a Mark III Gilbert Invader estate. They only made the Mark II. They made a Mark III saloon. So I'd have a Mark III estate built, specialist. Mm -hmm. And I'd have the rear suspension. I'd have something proper put in, fully independent suspension. Because, you know, Rick Jones, do you remember Finger Bobs? Yes. Remember yes. the, the programme Finger Bobs? Rick Jones used to live in the UK and he had a Gilburn Invader and he got in touch with me recently after I made that programme about Gilburn for BBC Wales. And he said, oh, it was a great car, built it myself. 
and my God, the handling was very lively in the wet. It was actually <laughs> dangerous. So I've always wanted an invader, but I wouldn't have one if it was dangerous. So I'd have an invader built. I don't know. I'd probably have the Integrale running gear in it. I'd have it four-wheel drive, fully independent suspension, red, built in Wales, mini lights. I'd be happier than kissing Noddy Holder. Can yeah. I just close this off with something else, another avenue that we can maybe explore another time? Go on. Cars that you wish existed, modern cars maybe that you wish existed. Now, the reason I mentioned this is I just remembered it. It's a very open-ended subject. It is. Yeah, yeah. I'll just close it off with one example yeah. of something that came tantalisingly close and that you would have probably liked. I was on Twitter the other day and I just happened to mention that I'd happened to have noticed that Jag F-types are down to about 30 grand now, which wow. feels like sort of quite... For the V6. For the V6S, which I, yeah. I think yeah. is the one to have, in the yeah. convertible particularly. And I happened to mention this. And then, for it is he, Jaguar designer Ian Callum himself popped up and went, you should get one then, or something. And I went, well, I would if I didn't have this, and put up a picture of my Porsche. And he wrote back, ah, I see, right, okay. And I went, honestly, I would have one. It's just that, you know, I've already got that. And also the Porsche has seats in the back, and the F-Type doesn't, and, you know, and kids yeah. on the Porsche. And he went, yeah, it's a shame, because we actually designed an F-Type 2 plus 2, which would have solved that problem, but with a long roof... And a wagon back. So oh. it was an F-type shooting break. I know. I have to say, because I follow both mm. you and Ian Callum, I saw that entire conversation. Mm. And when he said that, I almost ejaculated, I have to say, because I love the F-type. The F-type shooting break. Oh. And the other thing, of course, is something we have to discuss one day. Cars we wish never existed. Like the Suzuki X90. <laughs> I am Sergei Shiratkin, top racing driver person. I cannot wait for my first Grand Prix with the Williams team, where I will prove that I am not just a pay driver. And if you agree to be my fan this season, I will give you $20. Simples. Step Petrol, we are at Jones on speed! I noticed recently that Formula E have announced what they call their Gen 2 car. I suppose the car that we're on at the moment is Gen 1.5 because they did something to the nose that inherited that whole robo-race nose thing that made the car look better. But the new generation Gen 2 Formula E car, I think will run in the season that starts at the end of 2018 and runs into 2019, is quite exciting and interesting and a bit of a departure. Because the current Formula E car looks a bit fragile and thin and spindly. Mm. Whereas the Gen 2 car looks properly futuristic. It's raked back. It's got a bit more bodywork around the back. It's got a bit of, could be LMP, you know, mm. prototype about it, which I think is not a bad thing. So it's sort of moving away from the classic single-seater open-wheel look to something absolutely unique. And that's good for Formula E. I think that's what Formula E needs to do because at the moment, Formula E looks like a kind of a Formula 3 car, a kind of weaker, thinner Formula 1 car. It doesn't look as good as Formula 1, so it automatically, in people's minds, sets it up as being sub-Formula 1. Yeah. 
So if you were going to design a race car, what would you do? What would be the perfect race car for you? Would it be a a classic car of the 1950s with Tesla running gear? Here we go again. Or would it be something ultra-futuristic, like something from, I don't know, F-Zero, the video game? Where would you two go? I don't think sports cars have ever really got better than that sort of high point in the mid-70s when you had... GT40s and 917s and Ferrari 512s. Mm -hmm. That's true. That era, there was a whole bunch of terrific looking cars. What about Group C of the 80s, though? Uh, They were good. Yes, they were. 62s and XJR9s and that Mazda. Yeah, but you've got some little bits of weirdness going on in the Group C with sort of some of the enclosed wheels at the back, for example. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of sported me. So, in terms of the overall look, really, that mid 70s. Era. It doesn't get much better than sort of. Oh no, well, sure. Sorry, I just yawned then. You're not boring me, I'm just really tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, because as soon as you said 917, I went, okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's just, yeah. And GT40, I mean, yeah, GT40. Couple, it's just so, you yeah. know, with those two cars, you know, when you say. You know, oh, we can just go back car. a little bit further that's, in time. 250 LM as well. I always like those. Oh, it's interesting, yes, though, that you two absolutely. have gone for sports cars and not Formula One cars. Nobody's mentioned the Lotus 72. Nobody's mentioned the beauty of the first Jordan, for instance. Formula yeah. One cars. We went for sports cars. What does that say about our psychology, gentlemen? He started it. Um, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, I, don't know, I agree yeah. with him. Yeah. I don't want to get into psychoanalysis. But again, I mean, and, you know, one doesn't want to sound too nostalgic because Why not? we love the future. But there's no doubt that. <laughs> Current cars in F1, in open wheel racing, they don't look anything like as good as, yeah, Lotus 72, mm-hmm. as any number of Ferraris mm-hmm. throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. 80s. When did F1 cars We know really too to much. Cock, you know, we know. They just became... 2000s, I think. Really, the point at which we had what I call the potato peeler nose was that 2008. They'd become hirsute. There were too many bits sticking off them, too many aerodynamic addenda. Yeah, what about when the noses went longer in the 90s? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah. so the late Back 90s sort of was really when... It? They yeah. looked so sort of agile and neat, yeah. the shorter F1 cars, up until the late 80s. And, and then, obviously, you know, your sort of 70s stuff is, is particularly sort of petite, and all the better for it. Mm. And I know there's lots of safety reasons why they sort of got longer nose and stuff like that, but just aesthetically, it really kind of spoiled things, and it was just downhill from there on. It was sort of the more powerful cab cam and all of the aero races that... Uh, and, of course, cats coming into the room definitely yeah, changed you, things. You said cab cam. cam. You know, cat, 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 cat. <laughs> Hello, Finn. Finn, what car would you choose? A Jaguar? I tell you what I would... I tell you the, the race car that I would love somebody to design is... An electric-only race car that I could get really excited by. Because I've got to be honest, although I love the idea of Formula E and I have enjoyed some of the racing, I'm really not very engaged by it. It doesn't grab me in the way that Formula One and Mm. endurance car racing have. And part of that does have to do with the lack of the sound of the engines. Having said that, I would like to find somebody to come with a really convincing electric Mm -hmm. I just don't know how you do that. The sound of the engines thing is interesting because I remember when we went to Le Mans a few years ago and the diesel Audis were running. All we heard was the vortices coming off the wings and perhaps the turbo. They weren't They they certainly didn't hear the engine, but they made a noise. As they were coming into the corners, you could hear all of the air being sucked into the... They they sounded like a jet fighter coming into the corners. They were not silent by any means. They sounded exciting. Actually, up close... 
Well, you've been to Formula E racing, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Battersea yeah. Park. How close the Formula E cars make a bit of noise. There's, yeah, there's they some do. Gear wine and things, which is not mm-hmm. very exciting. But I find it quite weird and fascinating that you could hear tyre squeal and things, which you never normally hear, of course, mm-hmm. in racing. Those tyres squeal I, a lot because they've not mm, got a lot of grip, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it is very good racing because they've got the drivers in. Formula E right now. It's an amazing mm. quality of driver throughout mm-hmm. the field, driving identical cars. It's very, very close racing. Mm. So I kind of feel like I should like it more than I do, but it just doesn't really engage me. Formula E's problem, I think we've said this in the programme before, is you never quite know when the next race is going to be. Are yeah. we actually on season at the moment? Have we had a race? Is there going to be one? Yeah, the season's are like the tax year. They're split across sort of... Yeah. <laughs> it's the 17-18 <laughs> yeah. season. What? Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a race this weekend, there's one next weekend, and there's not one for three months. And yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that is really disorientating. Did you see the Formula E last weekend? There was Formula E last mm. weekend. Where? Mm-hmm. I was in New York. What? Mm-hmm. It's very perplexing at the moment. It's hard to get into a rhythm with it, but even though I think we've got quite a lot of potential. But is it going to realise that? The audiences for motor racing are surely harder to track. There's more balkanisation. You haven't got quite the same sort of readily identifiable bunch of motor racing fans to go out and market to, particularly when you're marketing something that is a different kind of racing. Interesting that Formula One is releasing what they call OTT services at the moment. I hate that word, by the way. It makes you think that Chris Tarrant is going to be presenting Formula One from now on. Do you remember OTT? The yeah, Chris- yeah, yeah, the, the late-night version of yeah. Tiswas. They're, they're offering Tiswas. streaming yeah. services around the world for Formula One now, but not in the UK. Well, there'll be a limited, what do they call it, F1 Plus, I think. The OTT service will roll out around the so world. So does that mean that all we have to do is set up a VPN thing and then we can stream it? In the UK, I hadn't thought I of saw that. Saw something yesterday right. said that you won't be able to VPN your way around it. Really? I don't know how they can do that, but yeah, apparently mm. I will ask. I think there's a bit more about VPN than these. And I always get VPN confused with VPL, which is visible right, panty. Okay, <laughs> yes, you want to be. Uh, I would. Well, I mean, I don't get it confused in as much as like. I... <laughs> Careful there, cowboy! You could get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, no, it's just, <laughs> just, when people, you know, when your brain just makes associations that aren't there and shouldn't be there. Yeah, like, all the every time. Every time someone Absolutely. says, "I went to China once with work," and someone says. Well, you only be able to use the internet normally. You need to get yourself a VPN. And I was thinking, well, I need what, to wear pants to... with leggings over the top of something. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit weird. I digress. <laughs> You certainly did. <laughs> On the subject of that which is to come in motorsport, I'm very pleased that the LMP1 lineup for Le Mans and indeed all of the WEC is emerging now. I've got a piece of paper here. Let me just draw it up. So I've got there quite are, remember. There are five teams lining up alongside Toyota, I think, which is much better than I thought it was going to be. Really. Yep. Um, Rebellion will be fielding two cars with their own chassis, the Rebellion R13, which is in fact an Orica chassis of course there's another one I always think of Orca the whales (laughs) and the slightly disappointing film yeah uh, Yeah. I haven't seen it but I'll tell you I haven't seen it so long not as good as Jaws but it was better than Sturgeon. That was a terrible film and about a Scottish politician who better, better than bit the, people the in deep, half. Yeah. The Deep. Oh, that was dreadful, actually. Yeah, yeah. Pete Benchley got that one wrong, didn't he? So, yeah, Rebellion, who oh, I'm going to be really backing this year because we've got a close relationship with Rebellion. They've given us great access in the past. Neil Gianni drove for the team historically, and that's how he ended up at Porsche. And now he's back at Rebellion, there being no more Porsche. So I should be backing the Rebellion against the Empire. Although the trouble is... I do want Toyota to finally win Le Mans. But it's, yeah, I do. I, I, what are we going to do? It, they're the only hybrid team. Is it fair? 
the ACO are doing what they can to make it fair, aren't they? They're trying to level the playing field between the hybrids and the non-hybrids. I just think it's a real tragedy for Toyota that they don't have any hybrid competition this year. Mm. I would really love them to be able to compete this year and actually win against a team that they could say were on a par. Because I guess Toyota have to be the favourites this year. But they're going to beat teams that aren't running hybrid cars. And Mm. even if they've got technical equivalency things going on, which they have, but I haven't quite figured out how those rules work out. So... Uh, it's going to be managed by fuel flow and the size of the fuel tank and how long they can go between stints. That's right. how they're going to balance it up. But it's the equivalent of Man United taking on Brentford FC, if I can use a, a football analogy. Whereas Brentford will be allowed to field a team of 15 people, but Man United are only allowed to have a team of 10. That's how they're going to do it. They, they have an advantage in some way and a disadvantage in others. Yes. So you're right. Is it going to be a hollow victory? Oh. I hope it isn't. I hope the balance is fair. I I just think it's a terrible shame that if Toyota win this year, which they probably will, then they're doing it against not quite equal competition. Well, for instance, one of their competitors is the Bicollis racing team, who are a ruddy shambles, let's be honest. They've been trying to run at Le Mans for years and years now, and last year their Nissan engine gave up after the first lap, despite uh, complete it, rebuild it, beforehand. It was oh. very early on, wasn't it? Yeah. I used to be interested in Bicollis. I was Bicollis curious. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Thank you. Uh, here all week. Don't now, try the, the other LMP1 teams running are, well, they're branded as CEFC TRSM Racing. Are they the Russian ones? No, it's Mana. It's actually Mana. Hey, oh. Oh. Why are they using an assumed name? I'm not entirely certain. It's to do with sponsorship, branding, and partnerships. But they're running the Janetta, confusingly named G60 LT P1 chassis. Because Janetta's G60 is actually their road car. They have a road car which used to be the Farboard. Farboard. Farboard that they now build. So. Hmm. It's not that, though. It's an LMP1 it's, it's, with the same it's name. It's a Yorkshire entry, that then, isn't it? Happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got mechachrome engines we'll see how that goes because Janetta they even built a LMP car before. I know Janetta bought out Zytec so Zytec used to make an LMP car a while back but is it going to be any good Manor are good though so there's hope yeah the two Toyotas and then this Dragon Speed American team who are running the BR engineering BR1 with a Gibson engine which is a the Lara chassis this is very confusing it is isn't it yeah I abs- can't everyone just use your proper names. Stop yeah. mucking about. Yeah, yeah, it really is. But you can do that. You look at Haas. Haas are running a Delara chassis, well, effectively. I guess so, yeah. It does happen. So it's the Alpha 4C. Is that a Delara yeah. builder? Yeah. Well, they designed the chassis, yeah. Did they? Yeah. I didn't know that. How interesting. And then the other two competitors are SMP Racing. Did you know SMP is a Russian bank? And that's why this team is called SMP Racing. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Which is why you've got Vitaly Petrov and Mikhail Alation as the lead drivers in those cars. And the car is a BR Engineering car again. Again, Which, a, a, let me guess, is really a Peugeot 205. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is utterly, utterly, utterly confusing. It's but that's really, your lot. really weird. That. That's your LMP one. And that's really why we go to Le Mans. Although last year it was the GTs that entertained us, wasn't it? Well, I always go mainly for the... Drinking. For the P1. Oh, the yeah. P1. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> yes. 
bit of drinking on the side, and then I kind of skip over LMP2, not so bothered about that, and yep. also follow the GT racing. And the last two or three years, we've had absolutely spectacular competition in, in P1. And Finney Greens. Mm. You know, we were talking before about the fact that I really did wonder whether I wanted to go to Le Mans this year. I thought quite hard about whether I might give it a miss because I'm really disappointed that the manufacturer involvement has completely fallen away. Mm. So there's now only Toyota turning up with an insanely complicated and brilliant bit of technology mm. to run in that top category. We it's love a that. real shame that there isn't any competition for that because when you had Audi and Porsche and Toyota scrapping for the overall win, that was a really titanic yeah. and, you know, a battle of wonderful giants. struggle. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And are you sure, though, that, in fact, Audi and Porsche aren't still in it, but it's just the car's now called, like, the Dragonfly Hat Stand French <laughs> Freezer or something? If, if only, if only. It probably is. We it, just haven't got to the bottom of this yet. Well, the, They're the, a the, Russian the, bank, you know. <laughs> that gets you to the interesting thing, that the only downside of this generation of hybrid P1 cars that we're just seeing the back of, the only downside of them is that what privateer would be able to run one in a few years' time? Or if you wanted to run one, you know, in a sort of classic race in 10 years' time or something, who, other than the manufacturer, would be able to keep that car running? So this year's different. I really wondered whether I'd be excited enough by the P1 race. And I just decided that actually the GT race is enough. Yeah, we love the four GTs. We love the Aston Martin. This year, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corvette, Corvette, Aston Martin, Porsche, Ferrari, BMW. Yeah, that's going to be great. The gang's all here. The gang is all there. Yeah, and it's going to off. And with a view to the future, the SEO are still working out the rules for what's going to happen beyond. 2021 I think and one possibility which is a strong possibility is something that we mooted almost jokingly on the programme not that long ago that really they should let the hypercars run at Le Mans it should be the Valkyrie the Red Bull Aston Martin Valkyrie Called it a Red Bull, it's an Aston Martin, mm. isn't it? Aston Martin Valkyrie against the Mercedes-Benz P1 whatever that thing is called It's called the... Is it the P1? No. Uh, what is it called? I Something can't, I can't one. I can't remember. The, the Mercedes-Benz. That one. Yeah, yeah that, that thing, yeah. That very fast Mercedes. You know the one. Yeah. <laughs> you saw it on the computer the other week. That's right. <laughs> Project one. Project one, thank you. Against the, I don't know, the Ferrari FXX or something like that. You know, the, these were the cars running at the front of Le Mans. I think they'd have to probably get a bigger grandstand. And with that thought, we'll say goodbye. You'll be listening to Zog. Goodbye. And Richard. Goodbye. And I was Gareth. See ya, probably at the mall. Actually, my name's not Richard now. It's Greensleeve 7X slash (laughs) 2. But I'm based on a Richard. Based on an original idea by Richard. (laughs) I'm built by a porter. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. On the 4th of March this year, we lost a valuable ally of this programme. Anna-Marie Borg passed away. Anna sang on a number of Gareth Jones on Speed songs over the years, such as I Got the McLaren. She took the lead vocals on Back to Black. Oh, be a 
Anna sang live with us too on stage in the On Speed band at 10 years on speed. We didn't know it on the night, but this was to be the last time we sang together before the ravages of lung cancer made it impossible for Anna to perform live anymore. 24 hours She was beautiful, funny, a great singer. She loved cars and driving, and a very close friend of mine for over 30 years. It breaks my heart to think that she's no longer around. But her voice remains, and here she is, singing Amphibious.